This album is dedicated to all brothers and sisters. My men and my women. And hey, yo, it's time. Put our hands together for Hip hop, hip hop. Cause who I'm talking about, y'all, is hip hop. The stories of hip hop, of rap music, are the stories of a million MCs who, inside of them, the words are coming, the words they need to make sense of the world around them. The words are witty and blunt, abstract and linear, sober and fucked up. And when we decode that torrent of words, by which I mean really listen to them with our minds and our hearts open, we can understand their world better, and ours too. It's the same world. This is Rhymes and Reasons. This is DJ Bazooka Joe, Bronx native DJ, producer, just hip-hop junkie and collector and been around for a long time. Gangstar Work is definitely one of the songs that I just always relate to, go back to for motivation. Guru in general is just one of those MCs who I always gravitated to as far as just getting messages from, getting lessons from, and you know, I have a very insane work ethic when it comes to completing projects and doing my, anything from a mixtape to um, DJing a venue or putting a beat together or putting a product out like a project I've really visualized a full project and, and, and follow it step by step and you know work is just one of those songs that really describes me I think it just if I was, as far as putting in the work that needs to get done to get to the level where I want to get It was definitely a different phase of their career, I think, compared to the previous albums. You really got to see the personal side of what was going on with Guru, where before he was more um, kind of, I wouldn't say mythical, but just more, uh, you know, you knew what he was, you knew what he was doing, but I think you knew that, you know, at that point there were some things going on in his life personally that, that were coming out, and as he was getting more popular, these things were kind of coming to light, and and then they came back with this strong record and kind of a, a crossroads between a underground group trying to put a plaque on their wall and they were they were definitely worthy of it and i think that album was their first attempt at trying to to take themselves to that level who's this suspicious character strapped with the sounds profound similar to round spit by derringers you're in the terradome like my man chuck d said it's time to dethrone you clones and all you knuckleheads because mcs have used up extended warranties while real mcs and djs are a minority but right about now i use my authority because i'm like the wizard and you look lost like dorothy the horror be when i return for my real people words of split wigs hitting like some double desert eagles sporting caps pulled low and baggy slacks and all the rappers who lack over premieres tracks Severe facts have brought this rap game to near collapse So as I have in the past, I will bask Dropping lyrics that be harder than sex and candle wax And one-dimensional MCs can't handle that While the world's revolving on its axis I come with mad loving plus the illest warlike tactics The wilderness is filled with this So many people searching for false blips I'm here with the skills you've missed The rejected stone is now the cornerstone Sort of like the master builder when I make my way home You know my when first got into DJing I was playing just to get a rep and you know the stuff off of their first record so um, even Manifest I mean I started you know I was DJing the very early 90s I, I started and then yeah in college is when I really took it seriously about 92 93 started doing radio and that record particularly came out a little bit after I started but I think at the time the record did come out was probably about the point where I was thinking of 
you know, I was heavy into the mixtapes, you know, working really hard on those. I spent late nights in Kinko's, cutting up copies, the artwork, trying to fit as many images on one sheet of paper to save money and be efficient. And having a, friends of mine set up assembly lines with these tapes and the cases because I was getting them all in individual pieces and putting them together. And it was work. I mean, just to put out these one mixtapes. So by the time, by the time that song had come out, like that's really just, you know, I was doing that and I was working super hard as, as a mixtape DJ. That's all my eyes can see. Victory is mine. Yeah, surprisingly, I've been laying, waiting for your next mistake. I put in work and watch my status escalate. So I was waking up in the mornings, going to living in New York, driving to Philly for the day just to hit three or four stores. There wasn't any PayPal back then. I had to like literally drive out to Philly, take the day, restock doors with tapes. You know, work, my personal work was definitely starting to grow. So I, I think when that song came out, it just hit me a little bit extra special because I, had, at the point that it had come out, I had already, I feel, put in really, really hard groundwork as a radio DJ and then carrying it over to the next level with, you know, distribution in stores and, you know, from a little local radio station, I really wanted to expand what I was doing. And that was really the whole drive behind the, the veteran running my plan. I'm the better man, crazy raw, doing my job like the mob, blazing y'all and disappearing in the fog or a mist. And chicks can't resist what I kick. They be begging for attention on some more of the deals, Nick. Word up, baby. Someone may have to get hurt up, baby. Shit is mad shady, but I got to get the gravy. Platinum respect like the force of attack. Keep you hitting the deck. Even before I started DJing, like in the 80s and 90s, I was just really an avid collector. One of those guys who was staying up at night taping Mr. Magic radio shows and stringing them together when the double tapes because the double cassette boombox came out like changed my world basically because I, I was able to kind of use one deck to play tape some stuff off the radio then I could tape some stuff off of another tape and then you know eventually figured out ways to kind of just make something on a cassette you know something that was just my own creation I started there just collecting music you know I would buy vinyl just to have the song I didn't want to DJ but back then, you know, you wanted to get that extra remix that they that that was on the B side of the vinyl that wasn't on the actual album. If I had the actual tape or the you know the record, so I would always hunt for the singles and always get those B sides or those imports. Try to find just a, a rare mix, a different mix, something that nobody else had. That was what I did. I mean, that was my hobby, you know, for years. And I would always gather up whatever ten albums were out at the time, take my favorite songs off each album put a mix together and then when I was hanging out playing football with my friends or whatever we'd have a little tape to play and and that's really where it started and then uh, the DJ equipment the DJing aspect of it came in much later but I was doing it already as far as just doing it for myself as a hobby on the bus rolling to the crib I would get dibs on the seat with my man OJ rock from Lamert Park to 81st when I got home. This was first. I plugged the headphones in, then catch the break 14 with the system. I was like, great on the turntables. I turned labels back and forth and put stop on the tape. Then down the street to 81st place, the kid with the fat face with the fat case for sale. $10. If you was known, I put the turntable down for the microphone. So I was just always that guy. I always had the new music. I always, always every day on the hunt for something new. I started doing my radio show at, at Villanova University in 
93 I probably started 93, 94 The radio people were these, these two, two juniors And one guy was a senior And they were just getting too busy with it And they were the hip hop directors And somebody told them about me Like what a junkie I was And how much music I had And what a you know, big fan of, of hip hop And whatever I was And they, they kind of broke me in And they brought me over to the station And said hey why don't you Think about helping us out And then from there They pretty much handed me the reins I became the urban music director My sophomore year And then for the next two years I, I was the guy As far as you know The radio show And we had One of the most popular shows Up at Villanova We had Karis One up there Organized Confusion OC And this is Based on You know I, People that I was connected with I was obviously Somewhat connected To the industry at the time And I was like Interning for Wild Pitch Records And MC Search So I, I, that's where my roots As far as getting in the industry As a DJ started Damn I should go back To sell a mixtapes I used to sell Mixtapes But now I'm an MC once I graduated, 96, 97, you know, was what was I going to do next? And, you know, I still was always making mixtapes before I went to college. So I continued that going and started working at a record store and learned the ins and outs of how that, how that business worked as far as dropping off mixtapes, consignments. I learned it and I started out with probably 20 mixtapes, 20 Truck Jewels tapes that were single tapes in like two stores in Philly and sold those and people wanted more and I started making more and you know every month, every two months I was making new ones and started from Philly, I gravitated out to a bunch of stores out of Philly and Pennsylvania and then slowly into Jersey, then New York at Beats when they were a very small store on 1st and 9th I used to sell my tapes you know at those stores and, and i just learned the business you know early on and, and just kept it rolling because i'm going to read off this track list and just point out all the like obscure joints that might be on here there's pharaoh monch Thule crew personified wu-tang Wu world order which I actually pulled off the PlayStation 2 video game at the time because it wasn't out. So I found a way to actually load up the, the PlayStation 2 disc into a computer and I extracted the audio before MP3s even existed. Like people weren't doing anything like that. That's how much of a junkie I was as far as finding, you know, I heard the song on the video game. There's actually two songs that I pulled off the video game on this tape. We got... Cage 54, which is an obscure Cage record, a very an indie record that wasn't on Eastern Conference. Got Grap Lover, Touch the Sky, uh, AG and Ghetto Dwellers, and which is great because I actually I was a producer. One of the first joints I really did with a major artist was with AG, so that's actually an honor. But I have like Ill Bill, Gangster Rap. Laba featuring Black Rob, which is actually, I think it might have came out officially, but that was something I got through, you know, Label Connects too. And that was the other thing at the time. I would have a few friends at labels and I would get access to demos. And like, I still have my Lauren Hill demo from when I worked at Rough House that I have two songs on the demo tape that, that nobody, nobody knows. So I'm, I'm actually trying to digitize those and, and leak them out one of these days. Sometimes on those promo tapes, albums would get changed and you'd have a different version of the album or a different version of the song. So I was just like that. You know, I get the album and it wasn't good enough. I needed to get the B-sides. and That's the way I've always been. Niggas is feeble. I'm carbon violent like Ben Siegel. I'm anti-evil. Plus I touch his desert eagle. My life's illegal. Slaves and prisons are equal. The devil's lethal. He killed a hundred million people. I'm Dark Man, Ice Man, Lyle, Wu-Tang Clan, Trapper Conti, 
sensei Caprende, my marine corps, straight from the Trojan War Black cape crusader, trapdoor, flamethrower, stuck a chain store when I was dirt poor for my reward Next week the Germans had me on a bulletin board, I beat that case, they couldn't identify my face I'm triple darkness, silence I have to erase Grew up in the Bronx, Underhill and Watson, which is like Castle Hill, Parkchester area I grew up, you know, in the 80s, you know, Run DMC and Dougie Fresh and Slick Rick the Show. And those are some of the first songs I remember, you know, hearing and going and buying on vinyl. I had a lot of break dancers and graffiti writers on my block. And I was a little kid. I looked up to these guys and I kind of gravitated to the music and I went out and go out and buy the records. And my grandfather was one of the guys who would take me to, you know, three or four record stores in the Bronx. You know, at least once a week I would go. If I heard something on the radio, I'd like... I'd go to the record store and ask them. And I was, you know, I was really young. You know, it was the Bronx in the 80s. So it was definitely a lot of interesting stuff. Well, I soaked in a lot of B-boy origin stuff. I can't even explain graffiti on the trains, breakdancing. You know, I was born in 74. So you figure by like 86, by the time Run DMC was coming out, I was, you know, 11, 10, 11, 12 in that range. So that's really where it started for me. That's about the age where you really, you know, so for me to be around at that age, at that particular time in history was really, um, really special. Going way, way back to the early days of 75 and the black space. Chilling with my own boy, Muscle Man Ron and the Boogie Down Boss, BKA it was a privilege for people to see Bambada, Bambada, and Bambada 23 on a Friday night The boys would come running To hear Big B stop a shocking and stunning In the hill, not a thing was chill Sound masses on the loose and acting ill Up top, up top, every weekend rock Even 131 or around that block But anywhere uptown, you always heard the sound Hip hop, funky beats, MCs getting down The truth I swear, admit and declare the was the first I know I was there. The my parents actually got divorced when I was about eight, and then my mother remarried with, uh, with actually an Irish guy. So my family was very mixed, um, and even now it continues. There's a lot of different ethnicities in my family, all in all different ways and shapes and forms. Well, you know, I went from things like playing wiffle ball in the street in the Bronx to playing golf one of my teen years. So I definitely got a taste of um you know some both kind of lifestyles and so you know I, but i've always still still bronx you know i think in the heart and i, I still you know the music wise I, i've never i've never let that go so the bronx is the home for the hip hop kids a long time ago when i was raising hell with the nappy head of hair at the age of 12 i saw and heard cruise that rock the rock crushes monsters break out sasquatch I finished college in 98. I wanted to continue the radio show that I was doing. So I wanted to continue the radio show. I started the mixtape series. And then probably in like the, you know, mid to late 2000s, it started dying down with the CDs, sales of CDs. And, but that was when I, you know, I made the leap from trying to be, you know, radio DJ to something bigger. So I started DJing a lot more venues. That's when I really started to go out and do a lot of New York City DJing. And during the scene, like Stretch Armstrong was DJing a lot, Funkmaster Flex, uh, Mark Ronson. So these are guys who I saw DJ and then kind of aspired to be. And so that's when I started learning from people like that. Post-college, I really just was DJing a lot, doing the mixtape distribution and a couple gigs a month. And, and that was sufficing for a while. And, and I was working for a few labels and kind of be learning a lot of different parts of the industry 
I worked for, for Boys to Men, so I learned about R&B, and from there I went to Rough House Records during the Lauren Hill project. I interned there and then eventually became one of the promotion people there, DJing a lot of venues in Philly and New York, and DJ a raucous thing in Philly for uh, Farrell Monch, when Simon Says just came out with uh, Rich Medina, one of my first really big gigs after college. And from there, you know, just it just kept kept spiraling into different gigs. Get the fuck up. Simon says, get the fuck up. In that time period, it was um, during OC's record. I worked. I was like an intern there. It was just a, a summer in between college semester, but through that, you know, I maintained a relationship with him after the fact. But that was, uh, you know, that was fun. There was definitely some highs in the sense that it led OC and people like Organized Confusion to come up to my radio show. I was also, you know, in the office with some pretty people like Search and and Vic from the Beat Nuts, and just as an intern watching them you know, watching VIC come in and shop beats to, 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 to MC Search for, you know, Large Professor's album or something. He was working with nonfiction and I was just starting to make beats. So I actually sent a beat that that I thought they liked and, you know, eventually they didn't use it. So that was my first, one of my first experiences with, you know, I guess being let down as a producer. And now it's time to bring up the headliner of the evening. Very special. Please welcome to the stage Escape from New York, and I be on some Brooklyn bullshit. I put clips as fast as I dose chicks with dope tits. Harmony Lecorn, said the coke surviving at six. Got my name all in your mouth, like you're liable to brick. Click me on the tube, chain swinging down to my shoes. Light up the room, in the zoom. Disciple of rock, the type of range. Life was a cop, so spiteful. Fakes could left shaking like Michael J. Fox. In our roughhouse side, I was with Lauren Hill. And, and her project, which was incredible, and she won all those Grammys during that time period, and that was um, an incredible time uh, for me being, you know, working there. But then we did things like the Praz record or, you know, other records that just weren't as exciting that eventually led to the demise of the label. So that that actual whole experience was a great big up and down. You know, I was... I got to meet people like Cool Keith and, and hang out with them in the studio while they were recording the Black Elvis album, and I was at barbecues with Lauren Hill and that kind of stuff. And then there was a point after that where the label really just, just fell apart and it wasn't fun. So it went from being, you know, one fun year to one not so fun year on top of what was going on with me personally. So one of the bigger things was my mother with uh, cancer and she passed away in 2001. So that 99, 2000, 2001 were really horrible years for me. And I still managed to, you know, put some stuff out there and, and main, maintain some sort of motivation creatively. But, you know, I would say those three years in particularly, I was, you know, I was just focused on that and not really DJing so much, not really caring, basically. So that, that was all during that time period. It was definitely a crazy, crazy emotional time period, you know, on both levels. Alive now, I'm reading your eulogy. I'm so serious, you told me hold my head. Pursue this rapture, then go forward, never backwards. While you grip text tight and ran niggas out of town, I ripped up mics, showing whack niggas how to sound. Still, your essence was calling by two gunshots at close range, your frame had fallen. Now, like an angel, you've risen and you will stay in my heart. And yo, I wish you were still living. Word. This isn't memory, y'all. There's not really much to say about it except it was just a horrible, horrible experience um, to, for anyone to go through, anybody who's gone through. That sort of situation can probably relate 
think the only the main thing I learned with her situation is that you know she she definitely gave me everything to help me find myself. She gave me every tool I could possibly need to help me figure out what I wanted to be and where I was going to be. The, the value of life has definitely been realized i guess you know when you're in that situation so i definitely am, am grateful cadillac doors and mac and whores on the regular you used to boost the slickest of suits climbing through the back windows on the bus you was ill dudes until that chick you vic for the cutlass started snails sniffing kid in and went to cut you that freak shanked you six times in your sleep i wish you was here because your philosophy was mad deep yeah this is in memory of and on the flip side of that, there's my, my biological father who was not there for me. My early memories were, I definitely remember him playing records, me and my sister. He was definitely a big music fan, a, a huge record collector. So I think that definitely rubbed off on me. But, you know, he had some issues. He had some, some personal issues and demons, I guess, that he was fighting with. And he couldn't, he couldn't really maintain the marriage and the relationship. So he went a different route, a different path. He got heavily into drugs and... I think, you know, they got divorced about when I was about eight and I didn't see him more than five times before, you know, he died when I was a, I was 18. So I don't know, I'd say I can count on one hand how many times I saw him between the age of eight and 18. You know, I don't hold any, you know, grudges or chips on my shoulder because my stepfather, my mother, you know, moved on and my stepfather took great care of us. And, you know, life is life and I don't regret things that happen. I believe things happen for a reason as good or as shitty as they might be. So um, I don't have too many memories of him because I was really young, but I do remember, you know, music being a big part of those memories. And it wasn't something I even asked about later in life. So I, I'm the type of guy, I don't know what it is. I just have good coping mechanisms when things happen to me. I kind of brush it off. It wasn't something like I didn't really ask my mother too much later in life about him or what type of person he was. I kind of, you know, figured it out for myself and then moved on. Everyone must meet their moment of truth. Actions have reactions, don't be quick to judge You may not know the hardships people don't speak of It's best to step back and observe with coot For we all must meet our moment of truth Sometimes you gotta dig deep When problems come near, don't fear Things get severe for everybody, everywhere Why do bad things happen to good people? Seems that life is just a constant war between good and evil The situation that I'm facing is mad amazing To think such problems can arise from minor confrontations I think around the time when, you know, that divorce happened was probably when I really started to pursue my passion or figure, you know, at least the beginnings of the passion of the music stuff started around that time frame. So back then gravitated to people like guru and people like krs1 and people like rock him i liked the harder dudes but I, I mean i did go more aggressive too like as i got a little older then there was the nwas and the public enemies and you know i was definitely but it was definitely the you know the intellectuals the the, the self-motivators the people like krs1 i mean he was huge 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 guru was very similar in that sense like he just had a you know wasn't about how nice these guys were it was about how they made me feel like cool g rap was nice like when you hear him rap like he's just bananas rock him same way you know but like people like to me like krs and guru like they just they made me feel that i could do certain things it was it was it was the stuff to listen to i mean from everything from that to guns and roses appetite for destruction like things like that beastie boys uh obviously run dmc run you know run dmc were huge for me i mean they were my first first record i bought well the first record i bought was probably a just ice latoya and then his show but but the first album i bought was definitely run dmc i remember uh you know taking piano lessons and, and not following through with the piano lessons because i wouldn't take i wouldn't do the homework i would basically be playing run dmc songs on my keyboard you know so all these people just influenced me in some way shape or form 
far as work is concerned um i mean that just song is just it's just all about like i put in work and my day is going to come basically and that's always been my motto i think as far as as a dj and 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 even back then like i said like even when i didn't know what i wanted to do i knew what direction i wanted to be in so you know i knew i had to put in a certain amount of work either as a dj as a radio personality then on and then after that i always accepted new challenges and tried to learn whether it was working for a label djing a party of for me of music that i had no business djing just just for the challenge of it you know just to try different things one of the most important things about knowing who you are is knowing who you're not so you got to do certain things to kind of know that that's not what you want to do are you working what kind of work do you do You know, the year you work in, what kind of work do you do? You know, that that whole that whole idea of just doing a hook like that, you know, was really special. And that, that said a lot, too. I mean, that's that's what it was, too, at the time. It's hard to, when I was doing what I was doing, it's kind of hard to define what I do. Like, oh, I'm a DJ, producer. But it's kind of like more than that. You, you know, I, I feel like it's more than that. Like, it's kind of tough to just nail down to one. That little sample alone in that track, I mean, makes it that much more effective. And... Just, you know, the, the horns, the banner, it just, it's a hype. It, it makes you want to put on a hard hat and, 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 you know, go hammer down some railroad tracks. Like, that's just the way I feel about that track overall. And I could see, you know, yeah, it just, it's a motivating song. It's like, you know, you put in that work and you're grimy, but one day, you know, one day it's going to pay off. It's a short and sweet song. There's nothing to it. It's just one of those perfect little two, three minute things that they did that they always were so good at. Again, with the guru, I think that song is just more message than anything else. Like, yeah, I mean, he's... You know, I don't know. To me, I, don't, I can't. I can't sit here and quote a lyric from the song. All I know is that how the song makes me feel, and I can tell you that you know that song motivates me to go and do you know whatever it is I want to do. Banging your thoughts with the hot onslaught. I kick a shot on the spot for going where he should not. Viciously, I make history instantly. Those other lame ass loser ass niggas, they can't fuck with me. I'm doing my thing now. To lamp later on. Paid me shit with some fly gators on, but now I'm grimy as they get mud on my pants and shirt. I bet you niggas out here know I be putting in work. You know, I came up during the mixtape era with like Action Pack and DJ Double R and and Jibo the Pro and Ron G and SNS and these were the mixtapes that I came up on where they were you know they were just hype party tapes and and then you know it got a little more advanced but I, I think I was a you know I was really a fan of the song construction the the production of the record so. My thing was, I guess, less about being a DJ and more about compiling the songs for people that would appreciate it, could listen to without, you know, I never did a lot of, I never did any like beat juggling or doubling up, too much scratching on the mixtapes. And, I, you know, I did probably get a little bit of criticism from that at first and you know, a little bit of reluctancy from hip hop stores because they were kind of like, oh, well, you're not talking, you're not, you know, I wasn't saying a word on any of the tapes. It wasn't really about promoting, my, I guess, myself. In, in more so it was about promoting the records and the songs and it was for people like me who wanted to hear the beat and how it was flipped and they didn't want to hear the opening line cut up 50 times take anything away from that that style of DJing but it was just who's going to make a mix that nobody talks on that nobody and I wanted to be that guy and that was really that was really the motivation behind the tape My wife is, is very supportive, beyond supportive, as far as letting me still pursue the things I'm pursuing, even, you know, 
no matter what you know she definitely uh you know a good example of her is basically like the, my son when my son was born he was probably like four months maybe close to a year but he was still it was new we were new parents it was a whole new experience and i had, i was djing a release party for drez of black sheep for his album that he put out in 2007 and through that i connected with him and we developed a relationship that evolved into me turning into his his tour dj for a good two years so i you know it started with me doing a couple shows with him in new york because he, he like you know he heard me djing at the, at his party i had never met him until that night but i was working for e-music at the time and they did a release party and or in conjunction with the with the orchard uh, music group the digital distributor i dj'd his release party and you know through that he kind of asked, you know, he was real impressed with what I was playing. And through that, it was like, oh, why don't you come DJ for me here in Brooklyn and DJ for me here? And next thing you know, he was like, why don't you come to New Orleans with me, come to Miami with me? And I was really, I was going to actually turn it down. And I was like, I can't do that. My wife, you know, she's not going to have it. I got a newborn at home. And, you know, she was the one who was like, are you crazy? You, you better get on that plane. And, and actually, you know, that decision like really changed the rest of my life basically so that's just a good example of our relationship and you know to this day you know she's very supportive so it's, 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 a, it's a good definitely a good situation come on speak to your speaker cause it's the time of day that's something new for the mass pass deeper try part not hard shit hardly ever not never but whichever your pleasure whatever's clever we're deeper than the thoughts in the back of your cerebellum dress straight and show business ripping this shit so tell them we came we saw we broke the fuck out you play your lay but if you give your hey you can stay Hey, what's wrong with the world today? Brothers busting brothers for less than time a day for pay. The hammers proper, ain't no sunshine. And whitey's got your mama. Now do you wanna change it for the children with a comma? For who? Me, I myself, you know the one. Doing what I gotta do when I do come. I just get off, not just that. Yo, I say I do a good and shock the panels that we be in Hollywood. Don't get jealous if we catch He was definitely a big influence as an artist. Having the relationship I have with him now is insane. Even my wife is, is kind of, you know, bugged out about it. But yeah, he's just a great, you know, a great friend of mine at this point. And even though I don't really tour with him as much anymore, but I, I, he's on my album. I did I did the first single off of the album with him and Jerobi, the Everton album, uh, Everton Project, the PTI song I produced after knowing him for years and playing beats for him for years and never getting turned down for years and never, you know, never never putting my head down just keep sending him shit and keep keep going at it and out of nowhere you know three years later boom we're doing we're doing numerous tracks together so just a testament you know and, and of my work ethic and how i am Disgabron is, is a new guy who I stumbled on his album, this album called, I think it was, I forget the name of it, it had a gold cover, it was like Crooks and Castles Presents Disgabron. Something I found on the net, I think I saw it posted somewhere, but I mean the album just blew me away and you know I've been checking for this guy ever since and then the other song I picked was this, this song called Brother and again you know it's a song about motivation and how not to be negative and, and or you know take the negative things in life and turn them positive or one of the things he says in the, in the, in the uh on the song is oh he's basically saying fuck fame i'd rather if it were up to me i'd stay anonymous which it really sums up a lot about me too which is i've always been very like as much as in the industry i've been a lot of my friends love the fact that i'm 
not industry as far as I'm not that industry dude. I don't run around like, yo, I got the hot shit. Uh, you know what I mean? I know too many people that talk, talk, talk and just don't act. And I feel like I'm more of a doer and I don't talk. I don't have nothing to talk about yet. As much as I've done, I feel like I still haven't gotten to where I need to get to. And I probably never will be like that, like talk, you know, but I'm just not an industry dude in the sense that you know, I don't necessarily, I don't do this for fame or, or or recognition. It's really about for people like me who want to hear good music, and that's what I've always kind of you know the people I've catered to. I'd rather create and not not worry about all that you know the numbers and all that extra stuff. So it's about being anonymous and kind of just doing your work and, and doing a good job. I wandered the world without a compass, wondrous, mastering self in my circumference. I imagine the wealth in such abundance that I can't even gather myself to crunch the numbers. Stumps and blunders, oh pardon me, I'm it's just my naked soul on ice, fully unzipped. Give the universe my life to work wonders with, and in return I get the heights and all under it. Praise due to all the shit that life takes you through. The hardest roads often bring you to the greatest view. So what I say to you ain't empty or hollow. I don't ask from God much, just that he gives me tomorrow so I can better my mistakes and make good on all my promises. Fuck fame, if I could I'd stay anonymous I don't care about such games and their bouts He's one of those guys, not many people that, that make me feel like KRS and Gangstar did back back in the days as far as messages, like J Live to me. If you heard his new album, the SPTA album, to me that was one of the best albums of last year as far as cohesive, well-produced. There's a theme behind the record. It's, it, it makes sense. It's entertaining. It's fun. That's the same thing with with Diz. Like, he's just you know a new artist that I've, you know, I've gravitated to, that I've tried to put people onto. Everybody who I have put onto has come back like, yo, thank you. Like when I, especially his first album, people are like yo, that's one of the best records I've ever heard. Actually, Ninth Wonder said on his most recent album that people decide your legacy for you, which I think is a very valid point. I think uh, you don't, you kind of just do what you do, and 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 people are going to decide what you were at the end of it. But I think for me, I, I just I want to be known for representing the art the right way i guess the, the the traditional the traditional standards that that we listen to music that we came up on i'm not a hater of the new generation of hip-hop by any means but i'm from my era and i'm i'm kind of tailoring what i do towards my era and and the people that came up during my time and if there's younger people underneath that that kind of i think will hear it and will gravitate it and will will continue to look for what I was looking for when I when I got into hip hop back then. So, I, I did, for me it was always just always about the art and doing things the right way and 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 staying out of the the limelight, I guess, if you will, to you know as long as I can to kind of just keep doing what I do and 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 just trying to you know finding ways to be successful with this without sacrificing my art. One thing about me is when I do this stuff, like yes, I want to make money, but and I did at one point. I was doing the mixtapes. Uh, money was was great. It was coming in. And then it got it got to a, one point where I really, uh, I guess times got hard or whatever the case was that I was really just doing the art for the sake of generating income. And that's when I didn't like it. That's when I lost my passion for a couple of years. And I stopped DJing. I stopped producing. I stopped making mixtapes. They, they just they just weren't coming out the same. I was doing them too much to rely on, on income. And then that's when I lost my passion for it. I started, I went out and got myself a job. And slowly but surely, I met another artist. And I kind of started getting back into producing. And it got re-sparked, you know, later on in life. My brand is really about quality hip-hop. It has been since 
I've been doing my 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 radio show, my mixtapes, and and even you know I was just about entertaining people, like-minded people like myself that want to hear the shit I want to hear. It was always for myself at the end of the day. Like I would always make these tapes or whatever the case was for me. It was just after a while people were like, you should press up mass quantities of these and sell them because it was like everybody wanted a copy. So it was really just me trying to have some new stuff to play in my car or have some new stuff to play while I was doing whatever it was that I was doing. And it, it evolved and it evolved into me getting a passion for, for producing and digging for beats and chopping up records and learning that side of it. And that's where I'm at right now. And I'm it's a whole different ball game. I mean, I'm not... I've done a lot as a DJ. I haven't done squat as a producer, I don't think. I, I feel like I'm, I'm starting over uh, to a certain degree. But it's good. It's a challenge. And we'll, you know, we'll see where production-wise, if I can have any sort of similar success that I did as a DJ. hip-hop matters because it has the potential to change life changed mine i guess at the end of the day it's important because it's art and it's a culture and it's a part of history there's definitely some bad parts sides of it but there's some really great parts of it more on the artistic side <laughs>